0: Hello, all you beautiful Misfits and Rejects out there. just want to take a quick second and one, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate you following me and being a fan of Misfits and Rejects. And I just want to quickly say that this episode is really cool and unique because I got to interview a couple that is living in America. They call themselves Darwin and Snuggles. My aunt actually recommended I watch their YouTube channel, which I did. And I was immediately inspired and thought it was the coolest thing ever because They have been designing a life where they live in the national forests around America. And I was really intrigued and I reached out and said, hey, why don't you come on the show? And they were really kind and said, no worries, we'd love to do it. But the thing that's fun and unique about this is that, as you know, I live in Nicaragua. And so we did it over FaceTime while they were sitting in their car outside of a coffee shop in Flagstaff, Arizona. They had just come out of the woods to do this interview, which I thought was super cool. And I just want to give you a heads up that there are a few moments where the internet connection goes a little weak. And it breaks up just a little bit. It's only five to seven seconds. It's no reason to tune out. There's a lot of really cool inspirational things that are said. And I just think their story is awesome because, again, 2014, they had the life that a lot of people have in America. You know, the nine-to-five, the two-car garage, a home, everything. And they said, you know what, enough's enough. We just want to hike around the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and do our thing. And they've been doing that, and now they're really making actually a living doing it with their YouTube channel and various other things that we discussed within the episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't death in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns
1: and too many bad attitudes.
0: I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I'm honored to have Darwin on the trail and his lovely wife Snuggles on the show, who uh I was connected via my aunt who really felt like we had a similar ethos in how we were trying to live and design our lives. And when I got to see their YouTube channel and their Instagram, I instantly made a connection with their decision in 2014 to start taking steps to go after the lifestyle that they really wanted. And they're they're here to tell us a little bit about why they did that and how they're doing that. And and maybe what the future holds for them. So with that said, Darwin, Snuggles, welcome to the show.
2: Yeah,
1: thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: Oh, man. And, and before we started this conversation, we were uh, FaceTiming with a video camera, and I happened to notice they were actually sitting in their car. So <laughs> that was a really cool kind of side note I was happy to share with my audience that you know these folks have designed their lives to basically live in national parks around America, and they have just cut off all the excess fat around their lifestyles to just live super simply, live in and out of national parks, make side money online and doing side jobs. And I just, yeah, I'm really happy to have them come on and, and maybe talk about, uh, maybe we can just start with um a little bit about your backgrounds, you know, kind of where you come from in the United States and and we'll go from there. How about, Darren, why don't you start, please?
1: Yeah, man. So, um, we grew up in a, we're both from the same town, kind of grew up together. We actually met whenever we were in kindergarten, whenever we were kids. Um, and we grew up in just a, a small, I guess not too small. It, it's the second largest city in, in Indiana. It's called Evansville. Um, very conservative, kind of blue collar, hardcore working town and, uh, grew up there. I grew up backpacking and hiking and, uh, Boy Scouts and, being really into nature and
2: I did not. I (laughs) I I was in girl scales but didn't really have a good experience with it and didn't really start even camping until um Darwin and I got together and I was terrified (laughs) to be honest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. I mean what what do you what do you think you're so apprehensive about when it came to the outdoors?
2: Um, I was, uh, I guess a typical girl when it came to like being dirty. I didn't have, I didn't want to poop in the woods. That terrified me. I didn't understand how people could do that. I was terrified of animals. I thought I was going to get mauled by like a rabid bear raccoon. So just very general fear about being out in the woods. In
0: in Southern Indiana. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, yeah, what a cool contrast going from that kind of mindset to I mean, now basically living on the road at all times and literally on a trail at all times almost. I mean, that's incredible good for you.
1: Yeah, and then uh, you know, we we pretty much grew up just kind of like everybody in that that middle class, blue collar thing and got older, got out of high school, kind of did the same thing. Went had a, uh, you know, typical blue collar jobs. I was a machinist. Uh, and toolmaker by trade for a couple of years, and we we got married and bought a house and kind of had that typical Southern Indiana Midwest lifestyle, and then it uh got to a point where we just wanted to make a change.
0: Yeah, and that big change came in what 2014, I believe you said.
1: Yeah, it, it was probably snowballing a little bit before then. We had been married for quite some time. We had done that whole American dream. Uh, I owned a recording studio that we ran out of our house for a little bit. And on the weekends, we were pretty much traveling every weekend, whether it was going hiking somewhere, going to going to visit a national park, backpacking in some national forest that was, you know, a few hours away. And I think that we just started to finally figure out that, you know, we rather be on the road. we rather be traveling and seeing new things since we've been kind of. Wrapped in this little town all of our lives and hadn't really explored much and opened our eyes to that.
0: Yeah. And just the allure of Mother Nature, the outdoors, is what drove you. I mean, was there any other significant happenings that you just you just said, this is enough's enough? Like your boss yelled at you or something like that?
2: <laughs> uh, our bosses were actually, at the time when we made the final decision to travel, were really awesome about it. And we're very supportive. So it definitely, it wasn't our bosses yelling at us, but it seemed like a lot of our, like we, we felt like we needed to fulfill these things that society or people, I don't know, like we just had this mindset of what we were supposed, we were expected to have in our lives, like the house, we had two cars, we had a lot of things and a lot of stuff, but then it was the it, we felt like our next step was to have kids, and the the m- longer that we were together, and then the older, especially now that we've got, the more we're like, kids are great, but they're not for us. Um, and when our friends really started following in those same footsteps, buying house and getting more settled down and having the stuff, then the next step was they got to that next step, and it was kids. And then that, it, we just saw a big snowball effect with that, really, where we weren't hanging out with our friends anymore uh, because we, they were too busy with their families, which is fine. But instead for us, we were leaving the house behind to go an adventure, to go and camp and to go to national parks. We were only using one of those cars to do that kind of stuff. So I think it just kind of made us realize, well, why do we have all this stuff if we're just constantly leaving it to go to other things that we really like?
1: Yeah, and I think that another big thing, especially for me, is everyone in my family and everyone that I knew had had never really been anywhere or seen anything. Everyone had kind of been kind of, you know, your classic cliche you grow up in a small town, you're kind of trapped there forever. You have, you have a family and you raise the family and stay there, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I think like everyone in my family had done that and nobody had ever really went anywhere, or seen anything. And I just kind of felt like I needed to break the cycle.
0: I see. I see. That's interesting. What did they, what did they feel about your decision to kind of make this huge lifestyle change?
1: Uh, I mean, there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of backlash from, from my family, especially my friends. They all thought I was nuts. They, the funny thing is for a while we told people we were pretty serious about it and no one seemed to believe us until about like a month before we were going to leave. I had people calling me up and asking me if in a month I wanted to go do something. I'm like, no, man, I'm not, I'm not, I told you I'm leaving and kind of shocked people. So yeah, there's a little bit of backlash. Um Eventually, though, I think we got some acceptance. We still have some friends and family that are kind of—I don't know—every time I talk to them, they're kind of on the on the fence or a little negative about what we're doing, and kind of always second-guess things. Like, are you sure you still want to be doing that? What are you going to do in five years? What are you going to do in ten years? So,
0: yeah, that was actually going to be my natural next question: is you know, with with that kind of mindset of what you just described coming from that area, like. I can imagine they're all questioning that. I mean, have you? are you guys thinking that far ahead? Are you guys more just like a year-to-year trying to grow your brand now that you know it's kind of more of a viable thing to do online and get to then have the lifestyle that you've always wanted? Yeah,
1: I mean, we're just really more live-in-the-moment kind of people. And really, back when we had a house and stuff, we've always been that way. I've never been big on planning because... I'm kind of I don't know superstitious in that way. I always feel like when I plan something it never goes right. It never goes as planned. Mm-hmm. So I try to live in the moment and um you know it I kind of lost my train of thought there.
0: <laughs> no, I just yeah, I was asking about the future and and since you have kind of given everything up to chase your dreams and and live this lifestyle that you sounds like you discovered and and really have embraced. Um you describe in some of your videos, you know, you don't shower for a week and you eat a lot of the same things to sustain this kind of lifestyle because you're on a budget a lot. And yeah, for the older generation of people that you're surrounded by back home, that's got to be fearful for them because they have that safe and secure mindset so ingrained in them. And, and they're coming from like, how do you see this as a sustainable life? But for what you've accomplished already online, just in the last year, when you took everything online with you know, the Etsy shop, the YouTube, the eBay, the odd jobs you're doing for other people online. And I think you're realizing this is actually a very viable lifestyle. Um, have you, I mean, you see yourself doing this for the next 10 years and then you kind of just answer my question, which is no. I mean, you, you you're just living day to day.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. We're just kind of rolling with it. Um, you know, we, I've said in a video of mine before, I think you just, it's all about what your comforts are and then kind of what your reward is for your discomfort. So some people need that comfort of a house and that's what they, you know, they go to work every day and they, they clock in and work the nine to five, sit in front of a computer and kind of take crap maybe from a boss or something like that. So they can get that comfort of coming home every day and and being in their house and having the things they want, where I think that we've just kind of come to live with our discomfort is essentially living like bums <laughs> and living in a small space, uh, eating the same thing, not taking a shower so we can get that reward of being able to constantly travel and see things and do the things that we want. So, you know, that is our comfort. Our comfort is is traveling where we're willing to, to be uncomfortable to get that comfort.
0: Yeah, I really, I saw that video and I really liked the way you articulated that, you know, that contrasting, like, you know, some, sometimes for some people, material possessions are their comfort and the thing they actually look forward to at the end of a day of going to an uncomfortable job. And it's like that balance that they recognize as a necessary means to an end. Um, so I thought that was a really cool perspective on that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, go we, ahead. Did
1: the, we, we did the same thing. We lived that lifestyle and, and we played that game, too. And then just at some point, I guess it just kind of changed for us. Where I, I think the biggest thing was whenever we went out and hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2015 really what what taught us that being uncomfortable being on the trail being cold wet hungry, tired you know the the reward was that or the reward of that was we were you know hiking through 14 states and doing what we wanted to and being on our time and seeing these amazing things and meeting these amazing people but that's really where it kind of changed for us and I guess we are our, our comforts and our discomfort completely changed.
0: Yeah. Do you feel the same way snuggles? I mean, does that, does that kind of sum up your perspective as well?
2: Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say just a minute ago that it's kind of funny when you were talking about the older generation, how a lot of them save and have retirement plans and really think about the future. And, and we do think about the, to an extent, um, we're between the two of us, usually when we make a plan, that means it's not going to happen because, it, <laughs> for whatever reason, something comes up. And with, you know, hiking the AT, the Upper Appalachian Trail, whenever you made a plan, like you had to be really flexible with it because it didn't really, it wasn't always a, a set in stone kind of thing. Mother Nature totally can change those plans very quickly for our future, where we want to go, what we want to do, with jobs. You know, those things are always changing, especially now. That Darwin has. That may, yeah, may very well. So we're very comfortable with making the, you know, changes whenever we have to. But in regards to the older generation, start traveling and into type of things. A lot of the older generation that were supportive of it and saying, oh man, I wish I would have done, maybe not hike the AT, but done something like that when I was your age. If a lot of that, like, oh, I wish. I wish I would have known what I know now at your age. So that was very empowering.
1: Yeah, you do get a lot of that from time to time, especially comments and stuff from from older generation. We've had some older generation people that we know from back home that have eventually told us that. do.
0: Hello, did I lose you? Nope, nope, we're here. Okay, cool. The sound is breaking up. Are you guys on different microphones, or do you have the same one you're using?
1: No, it's the same one. It's our laptop.
0: Okay, cool. Somehow, Darwin, you always come in a lot clearer than Snuggles, but... I'll I'll raise her voice level when I edit this out a little bit, but you kind of go in and out when you when you speak snuggles for some reason. I don't know why.
2: Okay, I'll try to get a little closer.
0: Cool. Yeah. No worries. I mean, I can really relate to that um, from the start of my decision to you know kind of cut ties with the United States to living in a third world country and the backlash from family and friends and just you know then secretly or not even secretly coming home and having them kind of secretly holding inside saying like, God, I wish I was doing what he did. Or like I've been gone now, like over 12 years. And, um, people are always just like, you're really doing it, man. You're living the dream. So their mentality has really changed.
1: Yeah. It's kind of weird how people kind of change like that. The the same people that kind of tell you, Oh, you shouldn't do it. It's a bad idea. Or the ones who eventually be like, Oh, it's great that you're doing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm not, sorry, not to get super personal with you guys, but you know, living in such close quarters and doing what you do twenty four seven together has your relationship changed at all? Has it gotten stronger? Like, have you had some ups and downs? Uh,
2: yeah,
1: I, I think it, it's definitely gotten stronger. Um, I think where our relationship really got strong was out on hiking the AT together, and you know, spending all that time on a trail. And being in those situations together, that has really made our relationship a lot stronger than what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And you know, we, we also have, we also have downs, like relationship definitely changes as far as being in close quarters and working together because we both are kind of running the same thing on the internet. So, you know, there, there's definitely, I guess, business partner part of it. Right. And yeah. then also the strong married relationship of being able to deal with things
0: together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for, Starwin- go ahead, Snuggles. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead.
2: Um, Since Darwin has went full-time, that has been um, a newer adjustment for us. Um, when our relationship is dealing with, okay, so now we're doing this thing together. We are living in those quor- close quarters. I feel like I'm a little bit more professional on some things, and Darwin is a little bit more laid back, and we've never had to work together with those types of personality, I guess, but in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So now we're in the same workplace and we never before really wanted to work together because we knew we had a different work ethics. So it's definitely been an adjustment and just keeping on a schedule, of separating. Okay. Now we are working, we're clocked in to work and then separating that from now. Okay. We're not working, even though we're in the same environment, now it's time for like us and to do things that we need to do as a couple, instead of going into an office and clocking in and doing that and then coming home, we really have to work on that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I can relate to that. Not in the relationship sense, but I mean, now that I'm, I'm doing everything on my own and, and really trying to, have a nice work life balance. That's definitely difficult. I have to like chart some time for myself to take my mind off of business stuff and go do the things I love, which is like surfing and activities out in the ocean, you know?
1: Yeah. And it, it's hard too. Cause you know, the thing that, that we work on and the thing that, that we've made kind of our career is the thing that we love to do. So mm-hmm. it, I think it's hard. To, I don't know if you experience the same thing. but It's kind of hard to get wrapped up in it because you're, you're doing what you love. You're, you're putting all your time in. So it's, it's kind of hard to separate it sometimes for me.
0: Totally. I mean, as a psych background and, uh, there a term they used called hedonic adaptation, which is where over time, that thing that you love to do every day for so many years starts to dissipate a little bit and you really have to work hard on finding new reasons to love that thing. You're once passionate about. Yeah, sure. that's, that's really cool guys. Um, Sorry, I just got to look at a few of the, the keynotes I did write down on this. So, can we talk a little bit more then? Because you you talk about, um, what's it called? Uh, a walkthrough or a hike through? A through hike? hike, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a through hike in one year. Uh, and I had never heard that term before because I'm, I'm not a hiker at all. But I really, really related to that video in the way you talked about uh, the post-hike depression. Because as oh. an expat, you know, coming back to America, we have, you know, it's called expat depression and repatriation, and like every key you hit on, was just spot on. Like we've we've had many discussions with Pat at past in the past episodes with expat talking about the exact feelings that you have coming off the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail, and I just I kind of want to share you know experiences with you and, and talk a little bit about that so maybe the audience can understand what that's all about.
1: Yeah. And I, I get a lot of comments, man. A lot of comments from, from people that have been in the military that respond to that video and kind of say that. And it, it's weird. Whenever I made it, I never thought of that. And, uh, my best friend is a Marine and he's told me the same thing that, you know, that video, he's never been on a through hike or been on a trail, but he connected to that video. Um, he, you know, doesn't really watch a lot of my stuff. So, never. um, but yeah, there, there's this thing. I think what happens is, you put yourself in this completely different world. Like we went, whenever you go to hike a trail like that, you're, you're, you come out of society, you know, your, your general society where you're nine to five every day, you're driving around in a car, you're in a grocery store with a lot of people, you're having to communicate with like the hustle and bustle of life. And you're just kind of thrown into this environment where you're on your own time. You're waking up in a different place every day. You're eating lunch in a different place. You are seeing new things. Um, and just time kind of slows down. And you spend so long doing it, four to six months on a trail, living this lifestyle. When you come back into quote-unquote normal life or back into that hustle and bustle of society, it's really hard to get a grasp on that. All you can think about is what you were experiencing like how I always feel it always sounds bad. And sometimes I get crap, but like when I'm, I'm sitting around with a bunch of people that haven't had that same experience as me and I'm trying to relate to them. I can't relate, I can tell them my stories all day long and they'll have no clue. They'll kind of plugged into that hustle and bustle really hard to like, just readapt back into normal society whenever you kind of know the other life and some people are completely different some people will go out and do a through hike and hate it or you know they'll just do it for the challenge and they never want to live that lifestyle again but then there's some of us that is just like it really connects with you when you come back into that that typical society it just it's kind of a bummer because you're the whole time you're just thinking about
0: like these great things that i did and man i could be doing that again mm-hmm. Do you feel the way, snuggles when you come back out?
2: Uh, yeah. Sometimes for me, when we were out on the AT, I was glad to be back in <laughs> to do some type of society, like civilization. Um, I feel like after, personally for me, as much as I love the AT, um, I, actually it was my idea to hike it. But now that I've done that, I think I'm kind of um, a one and done uh, once I've done that through hike I'm totally I'm good for I'm pretty sure the rest of my life I don't ever have, <laughs> have to do another through hike I'm more of like a section hiker I like to take my time and stop and look around but um, overall yeah I mean when, when we both got off trail uh, actually the, the first time we had some things that were happening but we uh, it was just a big adjustment we had some just, it was just Hard in some ways, like a, like what Darwin was saying. A lot of our family um, were like super excited that we were home, but we we're like, oh, like things are moving so fast. We were in the car again because it moves so fast. Mm-hmm. And we were just walking on our feet all day. So you can only go so fast that way. But it was definitely, uh, definitely a big adjustment. There's a lot of things, but the, people experience that all the time. And I guess we didn't really think about that. Until Darwin did that video, people were responding back like, "Thank you so much for doing that video." I never realized that's what that feeling was. Or being in the military, or you know, traveling to a different country and then coming back. And there's a lot of different ways that you can have those adjustments rest because you know of something else that's going on. Bubble that used to feel comfortable but isn't really comfortable or home.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Go ahead, darling. Th-
1: I think the other thing is, you know, whenever you're out, especially like doing a, a thru-hiker, I'm sure you can re- relate to even traveling in a different country. You're around people for a certain period of time that are are connected to you because you guys are doing the same thing. You're seeing the same thing. You're experiencing it. Um, so you're just really connected with those types of people. So then whenever you come back from that, Say you're sitting around with your family and they're, they're asking you questions about what you've seen and what you did and what you went through. And you're trying to explain it to them. Just the whole time you're trying to explain it to them, you see on their face, they have no clue what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then weird disconnect. You kind of feel this. It, it, it's like a depression. It's, you, you, you think like, well, I, I just spent five months and every day, like people I was around, I connect so connected, they talk about the same thing. They kind of come back and start talking to people that have never experienced. So of course they can't relate.
0: I'm sorry you broke up. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was going to actually comment and saying that's, that's amazing that people even ask you questions because when I came back from my first year abroad, um, I was so excited to share my experience with people and I didn't, I mean, of course my close family and maybe my closest friends asked me, but everyone was just really more interested in, telling me about what happened to them the last year and i was just like floored by that and that's what i think set in the first like real kind of like feeling that you were talking about you describing it as depression where i started feeling real disconnected to people and and couldn't relate and over the years i've learned i've had learned coping mechanisms that i can now use when i get back to the states to kind of get through the day-to-day but it's still there for (laughs) sure people don't really relate just like you described and i mean to be fair like I think a lot of people see you and Snuggles making these life choices and secretly might be a little jealous or envious and they don't really want to share in your enthusiasm because they're kind of like, fuck you guys, you know, like why, why do you get to do what you want and we don't?
1: Yeah, dude, we get that all the time. Like I, I get comments and, and emails sometimes people that pretty much that's what it is. just really, really negative stuff, people, you know, just being hateful about it. And it, it, it's really hard to, I don't know, it, it's hard to understand why someone would be like that, but at the, the same time, some people like, people do want that or secretly, like, it sounds interesting to them, but they're just not willing to, to break out of their comfort zone. And, you know, it's, it, it's a lot of it's fear. And it was the same thing for us. We kind of were scared to cut that cord and step out of it, but yeah i I guess people just kind of fear what they don't
0: understand sometimes that's true and then yeah it's cool you talk about that fear because i definitely experienced that for many years stepping out into new countries and embracing situations that i was not going to have any sort of um, internal relationship with that i could reference you know it's kind of like you guys walking the appalachian trail or the trails that you've never walked before like you literally don't know what's going to happen next. You can't make plans really because the weather is going to determine pretty much what happens. So you're constantly present. You're constantly in this. not you're not in a comfort zone actually. And you're actually always kind of in this zone that you don't really know, which keeps you present. And I think that really changes people when you experience that type of presence for such a long period of time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It, it, it's just so, it's so strange. Like the To try to even explain that to somebody is is really strange. And a lot of times people get that. That's the reason I started in the beginning. That's why I started my YouTube channel. I started it because whenever we got off the trail, I felt really disconnected. So I was like, well, I'll start, I'll start making videos about kind of how I feel and try to relive those moments and talk about hiking and talk, you know, show pictures and show video of my way to kind of continue to relive that and maybe I'll connect to a community and it it's really been like the whole youtube channel it was almost developed as kind of a piece of therapy i was able to talk about my experiences and you know obviously at first whenever you start a channel like that or something you know you don't really have that many people that connect but then once you do and people start reaching out to you and leaving comments and stuff it makes you feel better and then you kind of create that community and you know that well there are people that understand
0: absolutely so, yeah Let's talk YouTube actually, because this is something that I started with as well. Um, I started mine in 2015. I think February 2015 is when I put my first YouTube, uh, video up. Um, and I have, I think at this point, like 2,200 followers for my Surf Progression Techniques YouTube channel. And contrast that with you guys, uh, Darwin on the Road, after starting at what, 2017, you just passed 50,000 subscribers.
1: Yeah, man. It's been nuts. Um, and really all of that came from like the beginning of this year. I I wasn't expecting that at all. I think at the beginning of this year, um, beginning of April, it was like 2,500 subscribers. And I put that video out, how the AT ruined my life. And the whole point of that video was literally just, it was a thought. And I was like, well, you know what? I'll make a video where I, I don't necessarily talk about the positives of going to do something like that. I'll just make a video about how I feel. And before that, I hadn't really done those types of videos. My videos were more, here's a gear review. Here's what you should do. And here's what you shouldn't, but I hadn't really gotten personal on it. So it came out of me just not having any other idea for a video that week. And I made a video where I just got a little more personal, went out on a hike of the continental divide trail, actually a section hike. And when I got back, like comments had blown up and that video had blown up and just subscriptions started rolling in and then it just grew and grew and grew. And then people started really connecting to, I guess what I was putting out which is awesome. I still can't, you know, every day I still don't understand why anyone would care that much, <laughs> but it's awesome. And, you know, totally proud of that for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, there's something to be said for, you know, really opening yourself up the way you do. I mean, especially because you see your face, you see your expressions, you do a great job. The editing process, you know, the, the cinematography, at all is really good. And, yeah, you definitely connect, I think, better when you're coming from a genuine place and people can sense that, you know?
1: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, if you look at some of my earlier videos, it's, that's not it at all. I'm just like super stiff as a board sitting in front of a video. I think like once I kind of just opened up and was just me in a video, I guess, I guess people responded to that, which I, I do the same thing. You know, the reason I start watching somebody on YouTube or something is because of how real they are
0: and how I feel like I can connect to that person. Yeah. Can I ask a little technical question? What kind of microphone are you using to capture the sound?
1: <laughs> I get that question a lot. Um, I actually use a really cheap microphone called a Taxstar, like 540. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an Amazon special. You can pick them up for like 20 bucks. Jeez. And yeah, man, I, I watched back before I got that video or back before I got that mic, I had watched some guy's video where he was comparing that to, like, one of those awesome Rode microphones. Mm-hmm. And I I heard the sound quality of it. And I was like, holy crap, that sounds good. But no, he, he must have edited the, the sound really good. But you know what? It's only 20-something bucks. I'll grab one. And from owning a recording studio and owning a ton of really expensive mics, I was really blown away by that thing. So I've thought about, like, multiple times I've thought about buying, like... One of those really nice road mics. And just at the last minute, I'm like, nah, you know what? I'll just, I'll keep buying the star. If It breaks. It's only 20 something bucks. So
0: that's a Tech star what? Five something?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like a Tech star 540. It, it's totally an Amazon. Like okay. go on Amazon and just type in like Tech star YouTube microphone.
0: It'll pop up. They're great. <laughs> and then Snuggles, I'm under the impression you do the editing though. Like you're doing the sound and editing of the videos.
2: Actually, no. Uh, Darwin does all that. <laughs>
0: I'm a one-man band. <laughs> cool. So then, how, what's your role then in the business?
2: Um, I do, like, I guess more of the, per- not professional, but, because Darwin's professional, but I do, like, a lot of the stuff on the website. <laughs> okay. Um, I do, I send, I help, like, format, like, emails for companies, um, that kind of stuff. More like a secretary type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Etsy, some of the other things that we have going on, um, besides the YouTube channel, I do more of that
0: stuff. Yeah. Would you mind talking uh, to us a little bit about the other stuff you have going on? Because you said Etsy, like, are you selling like trinkets on Etsy or what's Etsy about?
2: Yeah. Um, so while we are out on the AT, of course, we took, as many people do, we took a lot of pictures and we are just kind of sitting around trying to think of like what what can we do with these pictures? How can we share these? Um, And we came up with the idea of making necklaces that have pictures from those different scenes. Maybe it's like a trail badge on a tree or some type of trail marker or something else that we've seen on the trail. And even when Darwin does some of his um, and we've just taken those and made them stuff like that that we make for Etsy store, which is travel and trail. Mm -hmm. And then find a lot of like vintage, of of course, because we're national park geeks and we like this stuff. Uh, we sell a bunch of national park souvenirs, if you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be like a Yosemite from, um, from like really sixties to something like uh, an old trail map. Um, all kinds of different things. Lots of patches. We actually just recently sold out of some of the patches that we had for sale. Um so things that kind of selfish things that we like but and we buy and hope that other someone else will find enjoyment out of
0: so it's just things that we pick up along our travels pretty much cool and then the eBay what do you guys do on eBay
1: Um here and there we'll just sell um different gear uh sometimes if I test a piece of gear and you know, I put it to the test and I'm moving on to something different because I'm a huge gear geek. So I am constantly like, that is the one thing that, you know, as minimalist as we are and as simplistic as we are, like we, we spend all of our time in the outdoors. So we're big gear geeks, which I think you kind of have to be to be doing what, what we're doing. So sometimes I'll sell used gear. Um, we'll pick up things here and there to sell. Them. Just, just randoms pretty much. <laughs>
2: Again, it's more like a selfish endeavor like things that we like or think cool we'll, like vintage gear and stuff that we'll take out on a couple trips and then we'll end up with me. like oh, well, okay, maybe we have enough gear maybe someone else will find enjoyment enjoy this yeah.
0: nice do you have sponsors I mean this gear you're getting are are these people sending it to you for free so you can try it and wanting them to you talk about it on your YouTube channel
1: um so I'm not sponsored by anyone. I'm not sponsored by anyone uh, in particular. Pretty much because I do gear reviews, I have a lot of companies that do reach out to me and ask me if that I want to test a product for them. Um, pretty much how I put it out to companies is I like to field test things. Whenever I first started getting into this, the whole thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to field test for companies. I wanted to take gear out. I wanted to beat it up because I am such a gear geek. So I always tell companies that I would love to to take your product out, test it, and let you know what I think. Um and then sometimes, you know, I'll do reviews. So I I comment to people all the time, because people ask about this all the time. I, I probably review about fifty percent of the things that I get. The other fifty percent of the things I get, no one will ever know about. I'm just literally testing things and giving companies feedback. So that's I get a lot of gear that way. Um, but no, not sponsored, never paid, no, uh, contractual agreement or anything to produce a review, but pretty much I kind of put it out to companies like, Hey, I like to play with stuff and break stuff. If you want to give it to me to break and let you know, then
0: go ahead. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I was going to say, so it sounds like, um, as of now you got your Etsy income stream, you have your YouTube income stream, eBay, you said a few companies online, pay you to do a few things. And then I noticed also on your website, you have Patreon as well, which is a company that allows people who like what you do to just make donations to whatever you're doing. Is that about right?
1: Yeah, and and Patreon was something that I kind of never really wanted to do. Um, And then I actually had a lot of viewers and stuff that just kept sending me messages like you should start a Patreon. You should have some way to let your audience donate to what you're doing to help you support it. So I just kind of started that up and I never really push it. I actually answered a question in one of my Q and A's lately. Someone was kind of surprised that I never push it and I don't, I just kind of, it's on there and if people find it, they find it. But yeah, it's, it's actually been pretty great. It's, it's a way for people to help support people that are creating things, whether it's a YouTube video or a writer, maybe a musician. Um, it's, it's just a way for someone to pretty much say thanks and kind of, kind of tip the person that, that is, putting out that media and putting that hard work in.
0: Yeah. It's a cool concept and I've considered it for my podcast as well. Um, I've I've shied away from those things. It sounds like, again, we think similar on these things. Like I, I don't want to, um, what's the word upset my audience, if you will, because I know people don't like advertisements and people get sick of hearing all this stuff. We constantly push at them if we're doing that type of thing, you know?
1: Yeah. It's, it's hard. There's like, there's this line that you got to walk. Like, especially like you were asking about sponsorships and gear reviews and stuff. Like people want me all the time to review stuff, but you know, a lot of times if I reach out to a company and get a piece of gear for free and then I review it, people are like, Oh, but you didn't buy it. So I don't know if I can trust your word. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, <laughs> I'm not made of money. I gotta, if I'm going to accept something, you know, I'm going to accept it. So it's, it's, there's always this weird line that you have to walk with your audience. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Patreon's the same thing. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Yeah. People, and then once you do it, they don't want you to do it. So
0: <laughs> so then do you still have to pull into these towns and work odd jobs, you know, six to 12 months a year to save it for the next trail? Or are you pretty much sustaining your existence right now through these passive, in, or not passive, but these income streams that you created online?
1: Yeah. So not so far. Um We were doing that for a while. And then... In August, we kind of took that step. To, we kind of we crunched numbers and we looked at what it really takes for us to live the life that we live, um, survive on the road. What it takes to eat, you know, pay car insurance and pay for a phone phone bill, and that was pretty much it. And once we crunched those numbers and figured out, well, you know, as long as we're bringing in this amount every month, we'll be we'll just you know we'll be peachy. We were able to do that. So as of now, we haven't add to to work anywhere but we always have the backup plan that since we love national parks so much we'd like to maybe work for the parks like maybe in concessions or maybe kind of one of the the random jobs you can get in a national park because those are seasonal jobs so that's kind of always our backup plan but we haven't had to since august which has been pretty great
0: that's incredible congratulations i mean that's like a huge milestone i think for a lot of people who are you know, trying to design that life the way they've always wanted, which is, you know, for me, it's the the pinnacle. Will be creating passive income that will then allow me to travel where I want, when I want, fly home when I need to, sort of thing. So, hey, congratulations, yeah. guys! It's big time. Thanks, man. Thank you. Now that you're living in these national parks, I mean, I mean, to the audience again, they're talking to me on their computer in their car, and <laughs> is it with being an online kind of entrepreneur? Like, I mean, how are you doing this? Like, you just. Get, come out of the bush and, and get in your car and start working away on these editing your videos and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: pretty much. We utilize a lot of like coffee. Like right now we're literally sitting outside of a coffee shop. Um, we've been here for a few hours actually editing video before the, uh, for the podcast here. And we just kind of, we find random places. We, you know, we
2: drink a lot of coffee. We drink a lot of coffee.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't be, you can't be a total bum. You gotta at least. Give the give the place a couple bucks. <laughs> um, no, of yeah, course. And use internet why we can and, and do what we can. There's a lot of juggling, for sure. And, and a lot of times we don't... We stay in a lot of national parks, but we, we utilize mainly national forests. So most people don't know in a national forest you can actually stay in one spot, disperse camping for up to 15 days completely free. So what we'll do is we'll... Just find a random spot in a national forest, a camp spot, and then we can stay there
0: for 14 days without paying anything, and then just kind of move on and go to the spot. I see. That's cool to know. I didn't know that. So thank you for sharing that with us. That's um, all BLM, So It's all what? BLM. Okay. Bureau of
1: Management. So it's public lands, pretty
0: much. Cool. Cool. Um, did you get you guys get a chance to listen to uh, episode 25 with Legend?
2: No. We didn't catch that one. Uh, Okay. I I
0: thought I emailed you that because I thought you could relate. But he lives on uh, the Pacific Crest Trail for six months. And then he comes down through Central America with all these items that have been donated to him along the way that he then gives out to the people. And then he comes and hangs out here specifically in Gigante. And then he drives back and does it again. And he's an interesting story because, like you, he decided he was done living the life in San Diego. And he made it sound like he made quite a lot of money. And uh, he gave it all to his niece and nephew in a irrevocable trust, walked out his front door with a sign that said, I work for food and has been living like that for like the last seven years.
1: Nice. Yeah. I, I think I've heard of that cat. There's, there's a handful of guys and, and, and ladies that are, that are in that through hiking community, that trail community that do the same thing. You, it's kind of strange. You run into a lot of people that, that are just kind of always out on the trail and do
0: it all the time just because they found a way to sustain that life. But. Yeah, super cool. It is super cool. Um, Well, I mean, you know, we thank you so much for doing this, guys. And, you know, if if you could leave my audience with some wise words of wisdom, you know, we get a lot of, you know, just get out there and do it. But earlier we talked about that fear that everyone naturally has. And, you know, is there something you could maybe add to that to help people maybe make that decision, that lifestyle design decision that you've obviously made, that I've made to go out there and really start designing and creating that life they've always dreamed of?
2: Um, I, I I think I'd have to agree with that. Just get out there and and do it. But, um, to add to that, I think it is better to have tried it. And this sounds kind of cheesy, I guess. I'm sure it's like some famous person's quote, maybe. I'm not sure. But I feel like it's better to have tried something like a new, uh, this lifestyle on the road or whatever that is to whoever whatever that thing is that you want to do it is better to have tried it and then decided that you didn't like it as much as thought or maybe that you know it didn't work out and then to to go back to doing something similar to you know your life before and knowing that hey I at least tried it and it didn't work out or I didn't like it than to never never do it and always wonder about it um, you know, whenever Darwin and I were thinking and maybe like trying to figure out how we could live this way, we were those people. We were like, Oh, this is never going to work for us. How are we ever going to be able to do this? You know, this is just a, a, a dream that we have, but it's never, you know, everybody has a dream of travel. But until we started really making those steps, those things started falling in place, whether that's the universe or God, whatever that is to whoever. It things really started making falling into place for us. So I think it's just making that first step. And, you know, maybe we won't do this forever. We don't know. But at least we can grow old knowing that, hey, we did this thing for a year or two years or a couple of months, and I'm so glad we did it. We're not those people that are wondering, oh, I wish I would have done it, or I wonder what if we would have done it. So I guess it's like a long word of advice, but just, <laughs> just to give it, a, give it a try. And if it doesn't work, okay. What el- what else do you want?
0: No, well said. Thank you for, thank you for that. Darwin? So
1: there's, there's, there's a saying that we always use in, in the through hiking community and kind of the trail community. And that is the trail always provides, you know, it's, it's taking a chance and, and just kind of opening up to the universe. And, and somehow whatever you're trying to reach for, whatever your dream is, there's some force that will help you achieve it and push you towards it. And, you know, 90% of the time it, it's been the case for us where we've just kind of trusted and, and put it out there to the world and it's just happened. So, you know, the trail provides uh, the universe provides. So just, just take that, take that leap, take that leap of faith. You know, if you, you use the, the term of faith. <laughs> take, mm-hmm. take that leap of faith and just trust that it'll work out. And chances are it might.
0: That's perfect. Well said. Loud and clear also. Um, so you're Darwin on the Trail. People can find you uh, trail. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, man. So um, our website is darwinonthetrail.com. And then you can also find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Darwin on the trail uh, same on Instagram pretty much same on anything I think if you just google Darwin last name on the trail you can find me
0: that's really cool can I ask you one more kind of personal question uh, are you using your real name is your real name Darwin is your real name Snuggles no those are our trail names I love it I love it yeah, yeah that's that's legend's trail name obviously as well his real name is Jim uh, Um, I forget his last name but Jim something
1: you know, it was also like a way for us to kind of, whenever you're out on a trail, you, you get, you, you get the honor of, of getting a trail name. And usually a trail name is given to you by another hiker, something you've done, something you said, someone that you resemble, So you're given a trail name. and It's kind of your identity while you're out on the trail. So we just kind of decided to go forth with that in, in the life that we live to kind of help inspire other people. And it, you know, it obviously it, it helps us keep a little bit of a personal life
0: for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, guys. It's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, look forward to uh, maybe crossing paths somewhere, either back in the States on a trail or come see me in uh, Nicaragua. I think you really enjoy it. That'd be sweet. That'd Absolutely. Be awesome. <laughs> well, thanks again, guys. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspired you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to... Choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.